others can hold the fist of Conchu, but this podcast can. Welcome back to another episode of the nerdiest podcast in the Midwest, the Midwestern Nerds Podcast. I am your host, Brian Stoffel. And I'm Kyle Olson. Yes, he is. Before we jump into this episode and reintroduce our guest that's joining us this week, let's do a little bit of housekeeping before we get into that. We are the Midwestern Nerds. That's M-I-D-W-E-S-T-E-R-N-E-R-D-S. You can find us on Twitter and Instagram at Midwestern Nerds. We are the Midwestern Nerds podcast on Facebook. If you'd like to send us an email, you can send that to MidwesternNerds at gmail.com. You can find our show anywhere that you can find a podcast. Please remember to rate and review us, share, subscribe. All of that fun stuff helps this channel grow and be a better program for you listeners out there. Last week, we talked about the Moon Knight series by Jeff Lemire, Greg Smallwood, The Complete Collection. We talked about the first seven issues. This week, we are talking about issues 8 through 14, wrapping up that series. Joining us once again is Tom First. Tom, thanks for coming back and joining us on this crazy, wicked, wild journey that this series has been. (laughs) Of course. Thanks for having me again. I'm very, very excited. I wouldn't, uh, wouldn't have done it any differently. (laughs) You know, last week when you said that the first seven issues were like the crazy WTF what the hell's going on issues and that eventually we'd figure out what's going on. It didn't take long after issue eight to figure out what's going on. It finally got a little bit clearer. We got a little bit more insight as to what was going on. And we had a pretty satisfying conclusion to this series. Kyle, what were your overall general thoughts of the series before we break it down individually? Uh, very similar, uh, very satisfying conclusion, very quick at, uh, again, a very quick read this set, this second seven here, very fun. Uh, it was good to get answers. I was very, like I said, satisfied, very, uh, very much needed to go through that after going through the first seven. <laughs> For sure. Tom, do you have any other thoughts to give to this other than the thoughts, you, the general thoughts you gave last week? <laughs> um, it's always just nice to get that grasp of reality and you finally kind of figure out what's real and what led up to this moment. And um, after that, there's still more after Like, I thought that was it. Like, I kind of mentioned it last week. It's like, and then he woke up could be the ending of this. And it still could have been to the very end. Uh, but it ends up giving you what I think is a bit more satisfying and gives you a little more closure. And I think it gives Mark closure as well, which is pretty nice. As much closer as someone like Mark can have. Yes. I will stick to the statement that I made last week that I, I don't feel like this, even reading it all the way through the end and concluding this series, I don't think it's a good series to jump onto for a new Moon Knight fan. But I think it's 
if you stick through those first seven issues, that first half of the series, and you stick through it and you continue the journey through the end, you will get a satisfying read out of it. But I do think you'll get more out of this story if you do have some background information on Moon Knight. If you do know, if you're a little bit familiar with the characters and a little bit of the background and the series that came before this one did. But all that being said, let's break this down and jump right into it. Starting with issue number eight, Incarnations Part 3. Night shifts. Jake Lockley is under arrest for murder? Is it false accusation or has Mark Spector lost control of one aspect of Moon Knight? His mind is reaching its limit. This issue... Just like the first seven issues, this was the last issue that I was kind of like, what the hell's going on? There's so much going on in this. It it was fun to kind of get a melding into some of the things that we had seen in the first half of this book kind of brought back into this issue as well. I love that uh, Billy and Bobby are the two cops that are interrogating Jake Lockley at first and Dr. Emmett comes in as the main detective to then continue the investigation. I love that he's still questioning everything that's going on and they're questioning him being like, Hey, we have you down as Mark Spector in the system. Why are you going as Jake Lockley? Why do you wear a fake mustache? If you, if you claim that you are this real person, this real Jake Lockley guy. And then I I love that throughout his interrogation he's like i want to see my lawyer like call up matt murdoch to help me out i was like yes hell yes super hard (laughs) yes uh if he would have said he could have either said uh matt murdoch or jennifer walters who's uh she hulk who's also a lawyer either one of those i would have had what kyle described as a fangirl moment and since we had (laughs) matt murdoch or even Foggy Nelson. I would have had him say, too. Even if he just says Foggy, I would have. Yep. <laughs> but the fact that uh, we got Matt Murdock's name dropped a couple times as I let me call my lawyer, that was fun. I also liked that they were like, you have no rights here. You don't get a phone call. Like it was very stereotypical, like interrogation scene type things going on there. And the art uh, looks so cool with just the blue and yellows the entire page. Mm-hmm. It's just so, it looks so nice. Yes, this is definitely the strong suit of this artist. I wrote down last week which one it was. I don't remember. So, in order to get that information, either read the book like we did or go back to last week's episode <laughs> yeah. to get the, the uh, that artist's name because I'm not going to go back and uh, and wait for all that. I like that we had a couple... Again, if you're a Moon Knight fan, there's a lot of Easter eggs and teasers throughout this whole series. But things like the Midnight Man, I know, is a Moon Knight villain. So getting his name dropped during this interrogation. And then we get this weird thing where they're doing the interrogation with Detective Emmett, in this case, and Jake Lockley. And all of a sudden, Stephen Grant yells, cut. And we switch to the arts the art of Stephen Grant's perspective and they're filming this interrogation scene as part of the Moon Knight movie and then we go back to Steve's perspective and even he's like whoa like what's going on because he he thought that he was being interrogated but he's also the one that's like directing and calling cut and we keep jumping back and forth between 
Jake Lockley in that. Uh, finally, he breaks out. He's like, you know, fuck this. I'm, I'm getting out of here. Grabs his Moon Knight costume that they had taken out of his trunk. And he goes to find Crawley. He finds Crawley and then he's like, hey, I need your help. And Crawley's like, I can't help you. Like, I sold my soul to to Anubis so that we could get across the river. And, of course, Moon Knight is confused. And he's like, you know, you're just going back in circles. This is a solid dream. Finally, he's like, all right, like, I'm going to give you this very specific clue where to go. And then it's like, all right, is like, are you a part of this? Like, how do you know what's going on? And he kind of like goes away. He's like, hopefully I see you soon. But if not, he goes and then he finds what's this dude's name again? He calls him a he calls him a ghoul. This dude dressed in black. Is this the Midnight Man? They do call him Midnight Man. Okay, so this is Midnight Man. He's got Marlene. They're just about to, to tussle, and they're doing that pre-fight banter. And <laughs> I love that Midnight Man's like, you're the one I've wanted all along, Moon Knight. All of those deaths were an invitation to this deadly dance. Deadly dance? Really? Is that the best you can come up with? <laughs> and then we cut back to Stephen Grant yelling cut. Again, this is all part of the movie. It's like, what is going on here? I love that Marlene's like, hey, this is like the best that we can do. There's some some space werewolf sci-fi thing going on in the soundstage next door. Again, alluding to what we had going on in last issue. Uh, that's when he realized he got bit in the neck and Stephen Grant is bleeding in the neck. He's like, oh my gosh, I was bitten. Runs onto the scene to see Space Mark Spectre with the... Uh, the the space werewolves and what's his name Lumis Luminous or something like that Lupinar Lupinar there we go I'm off my game tonight <laughs> off the top of my head too I didn't even see it on the page I just remembered <laughs> um, and I love that we just keep cutting back and forth between all three different art perspectives of the different uh personalities and it's it's kind it kind of reminds me of issue issues like six and seven last week where he just keeps running through these doorways and it's the different uh scenarios that are going on he just can't make up his mind it's just no uh, there's (laughs) this whole this whole little chapter this whole little book is just so it's so just what the fuck (laughs) that's what this whole book is like, what is going on? I feel I like this. I feel like this is the issue, though, that like climaxes yes. the what the fuck yes. moment, and then it finally, yes, it finally gets clear. I I love that both that Stephen was both caught in Moon Knight and Space Mark Specter's uh, realities all at the same time. To finally, they all smash through the doors. And they all end up in Mr. Knight, our regular reality. And all four of them are together all at once with Mr. Knight being like, all right, we need to talk. And that's the end of the issue. I know I said it last week, but this was uh, the chapter that really was like, if I suffered from what Mark suffers from, I'd 
I imagine that's what it would be like one second you're here and another second you think you're doing something else and then another second you're doing something else right and then i kind of like read it with my knowledge of like script writing is typically one page of a script is one minute on screen right so if we look at it that way and then it's like all right these two panels i'm here and then this next panel i'm here if you see it acted out you would think it would be like maybe 10 seconds here 10 seconds there so it's just he's really slipping and he's slipping fast here and so it's definitely the climax part but it's also as a reader it's like okay uh am i mark <laughs> yeah right like literally like if i wasn't so invested after this chat like if i was reading week to week and i was kind of on the edge after this ah maybe with the ending it might get me but this one really fucked with me while i was reading i was really like especially when it cuts he's doing the interrogation as jake lockley and then <laughs> stephen grant yells cut and i'm like hold up no <laughs> what's happening you're in two places right now and yeah there's i mean I, like we talked about we do kind of get an answer here coming up but do we really because like still with the answer what is real <laughs> and again if, if i was reading this month to month i might have stopped at issue six or seven <laughs> which would have been unfortunate because yes. issue eight while it was maddening, I kind of more or less had a sense of where we were going and what was going on in this issue compared to those first couple where it was like, all right, we're, we got like our regular thing going on. Then we got Stephen Grant's thing going on, which was like, okay, that's a little, a little weird. Like we're doing some fourth wall breaking, but it's not too out of the ordinary so then the the Jake Lockley like almost crime noir type feel to it where it was like all right this is kind of cool to so the batshit bizarre crazy space werewolves like sci-fi thing going on it almost went an issue too long for like month to month i would say like if i didn't have this complete collection and i was reading month to month i might have stopped at 7 because I remember, Tom, you even said that that's kind of where you took a break and was like, I I need to either yeah. <laughs> d- decide to quit here or just take a little breather before jumping back in to figure out what's going on. That might have been my breaking point. But <laughs> again, if you make it to issue through issue eight, I think you're you're in good in a good standing because as we go on to issue nine. I loved what happens in issue nine and I, that would have issue eight would have been enough intrigue to be like, all right, definitely need to check out the next issue. And then through issue nine, you're, you're good to go the rest of the series. It almost makes you like, I get why they kept it for the end. Right. I get it. I almost wonder how it would read in order. So it's kind of like the same question with Pulp Fiction is like, is it as good in order? <laughs> um, and I can tell you from one of my video classes in college, uh, no. <laughs> At least I don't think it is. Uh, but here I, I definitely I definitely have some thoughts once we get towards those final right. issues, then I'll probably address them with the overall thoughts of the series. Sure. So I'll wait to then, but I I get where you're coming from. Yeah. And I was thinking that same thing too. I have slightly different thoughts though. And oh. that that's where I'll leave it for now. Um, any other thoughts that we have on issue eight before we continue on? Final thoughts. Two favorite parts in this book were when Crawley gives his extremely specific clue. Like that's not a clue. That's <laughs> me telling you where to go next. 
made me laugh out loud, which doesn't happen very often when I'm reading that was hilarious. That, that's that's a very specific lead, Crawley. <laughs> like, just <laughs> hilarious. And then also, literally on the next page, he's like, Deadly Dance, really? That's the best you could come up with? Like, shit talking himself? And he's like, this script is shit. How am I supposed to work with this? And they're just totally ripping in on themselves and on Marvel itself at the time. Like, I absolutely loved both of those parts. <laughs> Random bullshit, go. <laughs> <laughs> That yeah, that uh, that deadly dance line that I read that had me laughing out loud too. Oh, and Marlene um, just off to the side. Just can we just keep filming, please? <laughs> she knows it's bad, but she she just wants to get through it. It's uh, Natalie Portman and Thor too. <laughs> <laughs> oh gosh, we don't talk about that movie. <laughs> Tom, any final thoughts on issue eight? Uh, I think the payoff was what sealed it to me because once I read eight, because I definitely took time to digest after seven. Once I read eight and it was kind of happening more rapidly, I started to put more of the pieces together. And then that last page in eight, I was like hooked to the end. I was like, all right, yep, cool. We're going to acknowledge it. We're not going to keep spiraling for the rest of the series. Let's go. Let's, let's get some answers. Let's see how this gets worked out, who figures it out. And I think that's kind of a little bit where we're at kind of in the show right now too uh, yes. i'm caught up to episode three where it's like all right uh i'm gonna need you to take over for here <laughs> so it's like okay nice this is timing out roughly the same <laughs> so it's uh it's pretty fun to see more thoughts on uh this series and the show once we get towards the end of the of this episode but before that we have issue number nine incarnations part four part four Ooh, no uh, title on this one. But um, the many iterations of Mark Spector converge in the clash of personalities. Who will emerge victorious? I was very excited about this one. With the, with the cliffhanger that was eight there, uh, yeah, this was an awesome one to just jump into. And, like, all of the people. It was that weird, like, why are we're not, we're not fake. You're fake. We're, no, I'm real. I remember all my, like... It was just such a mind fuck, but like a good like explaining the plot mind fuck. Like it was a really interesting moral philosophy too. Like <laughs> these multiple personalities, who's real? Like it's so it was such a cool such a cool read this chapter. I like yep. that we started off with uh, Space Mark Specter giving his full backstory because this was the one that before this series i was like where did this guy come from where did this storyline come from where did this persona come from because i had never heard about it like before this series like i'd always heard of mark i'd heard of mark specter of course as the main one and i had heard of stephen grant and jake lockley and this other mark specter that's part of the the moon knight space corps with the the lunar werewolves and all this sci-fi stuff i was like this is the one that i have no idea what it's about i had never heard of this before like what's going on and i like that the book addresses that he is the most recent uh personality to come from this being and that that explains that oh this one was made just for this series that's why it's so confusing and feels so bizarre and out there 
and I like that he's the first one to get dusted. Still want to so, see. Still want to see. Two of my favorite things. Two of my favorite things are right here. So first is the line where it's like, "In you, I have to admit, I'm still not sure where you came from. You're fairly new. Uh, maybe that's why you're already starting to vanish." And then he's just going away. Uh, <laughs> but then the art along with it too, where it's like that next panel is like where he's like, "What's happening to me?" And then the next one where it's like the whole page, which to me, which I would like as a poster, I think it's pretty badass. I uh, was like, "Help, help me!" But like the sand is like blending into each other towards the center of the book. So that was pretty, uh, mm. that was pretty creative. And I really liked that. Uh, but it's it was my favorite part. It was like, yeah, you, I have no clue who you are. Uh, <laughs> bye. <laughs> yeah. I, again, I love the, the blending of the artists. Um, we saw a lot of it in the last few issues, especially in issue eight, we get that brief blending of it. And I, I like that that's the way that we can tell whose perspective we're in based on the different art, the, the different artists and the different art styles. Yeah, that picture where the where uh, space Mark Spector gets dusted, that art was so detailed, like from the start. And I love that you can see like even just the little grains of sand as he's like slowly turning to dust as he's going away. And I love that our classic looking Moon Knight is in the background just being like, oh, God, like so (laughs) shocked at what's going on. And then we go to his uh, perspective, that that noir looking art style that we had seen before. I like that. Space Moon Knight is just like, you're new, like, you're the weakest one, you're gone, bye, and he gets dusted. I like that Jake Lockley puts up a fight, and he's like, I don't want to fight you, but I guess if I have to do it the hard way, I got to do it the hard way, and uh, takes him out with that, with uh, one of his crescent darts, and then he gets dusted. And then we go to, to Stephen Grant's artwork, and he's the last one, he's the oldest one. Which makes sense for the Moon Knight series on Disney Plus because he's the first one that we're introduced to, and uh, he's the oldest one for us. So again, seeing those ties to the show, and I like that he kind of accepts his fate. He's like, you know, I don't like that I have to do this, but like if if you got to do what you got to do, like just promise me that you'll be happy and that you'll find happiness. And they hug. And that's how he gets dusted away. Very nice and heartwarming moment that it was almost it was almost Mark just coming to terms with himself there for a second, even if it was just for a second. Yeah, it's like two things. It's like himself and his best friend, really. Yeah. So it's just like, dang. (laughs) Like, I I think you made a good point earlier, Brian, where maybe they did go a chat, a, a book too late on the craziness, because this right here is like probably my favorite part of this is him confronting everything and coming to grips with everything and having this inner dialogue with these people that he's known like it so interesting and like honestly probably some of my favorite dialogue in this whole book and if it would have came a little bit sooner more towards the middle then it may have gripped people a little, a little bit more but i it does feel like it maybe is a little too late in the book it begs the question though would you have, pre- have appreciated it as much earlier sure. as you did now yeah i like the couple times too towards the second half when it's just our regular mark specter in the mr knight attire how he confronts 
these this illness that he has and he confronts the personalities and then when they go away he talks about how quiet it is like there's two or three times throughout the second half where and this is the first one once Stephen Grant gets dusted away his first bit of dialogue or inner monologue is that I'm alone all alone and it's so it's so quiet and I love that uh, that he's just that that's it's been so loud and so crazy, even for us readers up to this point. And we get this moment to finally just like let out a breath of air and just catch our breath before we get to the conclusion. Um, I really like the subtleness there of, because we all, I think we all know, or at least we realize it later that Conchu is obviously still in his head for this, but because it's so quiet, I interpreted that as Conchu knows what's happening right now. Conchu kind of is realizing what's happening and he's staying quiet so that maybe Mark forgets about him. I actually, I, I really like that. And I like that he looks up at the crescent moon and he says, I feel the moonlight on my face and I know, I just know there's only one way that this can end. And then he puts the mask back on. We get the Mr. Knight look, which I, is my favorite look for Moon Knight personally. So then we get him walking in the sand with the city in the background and we still have the uh, Egyptian pyramid. And he says, I have to go back to the hospital. I have to kill Khonshu. And then we know where this book is finally going. And then that the uh, variant cover on the next page is one of my favorites, too, where we get we get the left top half part of space Mark Spector's face we get the right top half part of Stephen Grant's face, and then the bottom half of the face is Jake Lockley. We get those three personas in that one image that creates this full portrait of a person, which is uh, our lead protagonist here. I I love that cover. It's so good. We get back-to-back posters. Yes. <laughs> That's true. Uh, because even that full <laughs> that full page spread that I just described and then read the last bit of dialogue of that issue, that would be an awesome poster. Absolutely. Um, I also enjoy the alternate cover. Uh, maybe I'm looking too deep into it, but with the circle of the head and then the lines, it kind of creates a peace sign. So he's made peace with his three lives. Oh, yeah. I, I yeah, I didn't... That didn't occur to me either, but now that you say that, I absolutely love that. <laughs> uh, I also like the dialogue of this. Like, I have to kill Conchu. You know how many chapters it's been since we've mentioned Conchu at all? Like, right? Yeah. We got back to that, and I was like, oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah, Conchu. Forgot about that guy. <laughs> he uh, heel turned, and we just kind of left him. <laughs> well, and again, like he's back in the sandstorm of New York with the pyramids. Like He has fully embraced what's going on he's fully embraced that reality that that is the one that he needs to go in and fight like he needs to go save that reality whether it's real or not he needs to go in there and do something about it all right it's me isn't it yep issue 10 birth and death part one all right birth and death part one death and birth starts here mark specter was born in chicago uh, but where was Stephen Grant born? This story goes deep into Spectre's past, picks up where Lemire and Smallwood left off in New Egypt, and redefines the history of Moon Knight as you know it. 
So all of a sudden, we got used to so many different characters, and now we're uh, kids drawn on the sidewalk <laughs> with chalk. And then it's like, who the fuck is this all over again? <laughs> kind of. Uh, and then you, it plays a lot like they're two separate people. And then you get a couple pages in, and all of a sudden, Dad's like, who are you talking to? I love, <laughs> I love the the subtle details though uh, on that first page. Like both Stephen Grant and uh, Mark Spector look the same. I mm-hmm. love that Mark Spector's drawing a picture of <laughs> Stephen <Mark> Grant. <laughs> He's drawing uh, a dude in a tuxedo, which you could say would be Stephen Grant, the uh, the rich persona. Mm-hmm. So again like kind of foreshadowing then the next panel of figuring out who this kid is that he's talking to when he says i'm steven steven grant i love that he's in the very first panel he's drawing a spaceman fighting a wolf yeah (laughs) he's got the moon knights he's got the oh yes yep yep (laughs) um i love that when they're walking up the stairs uh steven grant's like i want to be i'm gonna be rich and famous one day he's like really how are you gonna do that he's like i'm gonna make movies cool it's like, all right, like we're de- we're establishing who this person is right off the bat. We have Blast Off, which is the space Moon Knight in an action an action figure format, and then yeah, like you said, we get well, we get a nice little uh, a Bulls logo in the background for it's a Darth uh, Vader Easter egg. Yep, Darth Vader, and uh, then we get his yeah. Uh, the Indiana Jones poster in the background is pretty sweet too. I'm sure there's a Mothra figure down there somewhere. Chicago Bulls sticker at one point. And uh, the the Alf, the Alf, the Alf stuffed animal. An A team poster. Uh, that was two Darth Vader's. Yep. But I, I Millennium Falcon on the ceiling. That's sick. <laughs> I love at the bottom of yeah. that that last page of <laughs> this first flashback. When his dad's like, who are you talking to? He's like, I'm talking to my new friend, Steven. And right away, his dad, like, I love the worried look on his face and that we didn't need any dialogue to figure out what he's actually thinking here. Well, right, because it's like immediate, especially for us, it's an immediate, like, Mark is standing there talking to Steven and showing him his figures. And then his dad walks in and Steven's not there anymore. So immediately you get the picture of what, obviously, we know what we're reading because of what's been going on. But, like, immediately you understand that... Because at, at, at first I did, at, at, there was that moment where I was like, oh, Steven was a little kid that he was actually friends with. And then maybe that kid had a very tragic end. And, and like then that's how it got implanted into his memory. But no, right off the bat, we just know that this was his imaginary friend or another person personality. Uh, we go back to the present where Mr. Knight goes and checks in on Gina. Um, a little filler, I felt like. Like... Everything that's pretty much established in that scene in the diner could be... I, I felt like you could have taken that out, and this story would have flowed just as well. Yes, um, but, it, but you almost have to revisit Gina. Maybe they had plans for something with her, but they almost had to revisit it. They couldn't just leave her there waiting for her boys, you know what I mean? I felt like they could have, because they, they, they clearly kill off Frenchie, like... And the fact that he says a couple times that, like, my best friend Frenchie is dead, and he doesn't come back. I mean, yes, we get Crawley back at some point. Gina never dies, and though. Gina doesn't die. This is the last time we see her. But I feel like they could have 
where we left her last time with her being like, I'm going to stay in the diner. I'm going to wait for my boys here. I know I'm probably going to get buried in sand and I'm probably not going to make it out of this, but like, this is what I'm choosing to do. This is what I want to do. And I'm going to wait for them. I feel like they could have ended her story in this series there and that we didn't need to fully go back. Fair. But in my, um, the way I read it too, was they were kind they were trying to tell the story that he's going back to the hospital. Right. So he's back tracing his steps. He obviously can't get uh, Frenchie, but he stops by Gina Gina rejects and like, no, I'm going to stay here. I won't help you. That to me was like, oh, he's going to go to Crowley and Crowley's going to be like, no, don't save my soul. You keep going on by yourself too. Like it almost, it, it set up that for me too. And then when Crowley, and then when he actually does get the opportunity to get Crowley back, it's like that, I, I don't know. Again, it worked for me. I can see them potentially skipping it though. I saw it in two ways. So there's the whole like wrapping up the loose ends. Like what's Gina up to now that we know like this was real what's going on so you checking on her she's still waiting choosing to do her thing but then it leads right into the next couple of panels where i feel like it's just the parallel of him as he's older now acknowledging it healthy moving on and then we see him as a kid having this conversation of like no this is like steven's real this is my friend so it's just the parallels okay she's yeah. that like that that therapist right i i get you i get you it didn't quite work for me but it, it's there, and if it if it worked for you guys, then then it's just me. So, <laughs> uh, but yeah, we get into this other flashback again. Uh, Mark and his dad are talking to the psychiatrist. I love when they ask Mark to go out in the hallway so that they can talk. He's listening in the doorway, and we it's very faded, and we only get some of the words, but we can definitely piece together the conversation that's going on uh, in this. So I love that. And then we get Conchu showing up, which I didn't expect, if I'm being honest. Um, with Moon Knight's backstory from the classic books that I know, he do- he didn't show up this early. But this is kind of like the reimagining, the retelling, the quote-unquote definitive uh, Moon Knight origin story here. So the fact that he shows up right away as mark's a child and he's like i'm your father i'm your true father you are my son i choose you and you will be complete one day like i uh, i think that's kind of cool like a very cool foreshadowing and imagine being his age and seeing like conchu <laughs> like just towering over you looking like he does in the show but as if he was dressed up as mr knight with his Right. With the same bird skull head going on. I love the panel where it's a close-up of Mark's eyes. And you can just faintly see the reflection of Khonshu, uh in his pupils. It's kind of hard to make out with the, the painted art style. But it's there enough where you can tell that that's Khonshu's reflection within his eyes love that panel you can actually tell again on the next page when he's hugging his dad too again super faint even more faint this time but i think you can almost gather this time because he is looking at him and i love that he's just on the bottom he's like i'm waiting it's absolutely terrifying if i saw that as a kid i would need therapy as well i mean think about yes Mark's, <laughs> think about steven's reaction in the in the show i mean he is what 30 something like that's exactly how i would react at any age <laughs> also fair (laughs) 
Uh, we go back in the sewers and we find Anubis there with Mr. Crawley. And I I love the the back and forth between Anubis and Crawley. Where <laughs> uh, Anubis is definitely annoyed with how much Crawley talks. And I love that Crawley's like, you don't have to be so rude. But he no, no. There's no need to be rude. You're not exactly the most amusing host around Anubis. <laughs> well, like Anubis can't admit that right away because he needs that leverage to get Moon Knight to go do what he needs him to do. I love it. Yeah, so he sends him off on a, on a search to find something that he had lost. He doesn't tell Mr. Knight what it is he lost, but he says, when you see it, you will know. And so then... Mr. Knight has to go into the Overvoid to retrieve Anubis's lost whatever it is. I like that he just like dives right in. Bro, and then these next few pages absolutely <laughs> just oh my goodness. Uh we have to turn the book on its side to see the full two-page spread. I love that it looks like water. But he's clearly in space, swimming through the other void. We get uh, flashes of what's going on with the uh, corrective therapy that they're trying to do on Mark Spector. That's kind of within the space, uh, these flashes. And we get the dialogue uh, saying that, you know, it's not working. We might need to try more aggressive methods we've turned the page and then we have to flip it upside down and i love that he's coming up above the water for air but it's upside down so it's like he's going in but coming out at the same time and uh he's floating down but floating up like it's so trippy oh fuck and then and then the first panel at the bottom of the left page he finally falls through with a giant whoomp (laughs) into the sand and then we turn the page we're still upside down uh he's like oh fuck there's a floating pyramid there's a pharaoh riding what looks like meek from thor ragnarok (laughs) and uh giant dragonflies in the background and it's like what the fuck is going on i 100 percent. while i was on that upside down page the page before uh turned the page like i normally would and i was like i just did that too as i was explaining (laughs) i was like wait a minute now i'm back to uh when he's swimming through the other points are they doing this page twice is he already jumping back what's going on again solid issue at from issue number nine even issue number eight i would say eight onwards like i'm hooked all right it's like all right now it's more linear of what's going on yes we keep jumping back and forth from flashbacks to like the story that's going on but i can at least follow it unlike before where it was just where it was just like uh what the fuck's going on ride that we were on but when we get to the end of it and we'll talk about it once we give our final thoughts it it was almost necessary to go through that journey as well. I, uh, I look at that last panel, and I just imagine that's what Earth would be if Pangea never split up. <laughs> 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 uh, 
Any other final thoughts of issue number 10? We're getting there. This is one of those ones where I read it and I was like, okay, not really sure where he's going, but uh, I'm just going to keep going. i got to power through. Mm-hmm. I, I've gotten some information on what's really going on here, a little bit of what I kind of gathered on my own, and now I just need more answers. How did we get here? Contra's here as a kid, but obviously they drugged him up, which the drugs seem to work a little bit because you get that whole dialogue. is like, uh, Steven? Mark, Jake, are you there? And then they're like, it's not working. More drugs. Yep, yep. <laughs> he remembers them. Um, which is kind of brutal. But I'm also happy that when we get to the next one here, we don't have to keep reading upside down. <laughs> <laughs> very true, very true. Birth and Death, part two. Run for your lives. The asylum wasn't the first institution Mark Spector escaped or the first that rejected him. Is Moon Knight stronger, alone, or more vulnerable? Trapped outside of reality, his survival depends on answers in his past. This issue went back slightly to the the what-the-fuck moments, but not as heavily as the first half of this book. And it was mostly when we were following Mr. Knight in the Overvoid. But I did, like... I really liked the backstory continuing of the origin story of Moon Knight, Mark Spector, and this. Starting right away with seeing Dr. Emmett uh, as he is a child in the institution. And then for a split second, I went back to, okay, like how much of what we experienced at the beginning was real and how much was in his mind, how much of it wasn't real seeing her back there and knowing that oh, okay like she was a part of his past she was his his doctor and he was in an institute for a while we go and we see that his father passed away and that he is allowed to go to the funeral and i liked how it was too much for mark to handle and that then jake came when he was talking to his mother and she's like, don't pull the stuff here. Not now, not today. Kanchu calls him and then he runs away. I found that that whole first part very powerful. It gave me a personal attachment to the character. I, for me personally, it was very relatable. And it starts us on this journey of Mark, Steven, and now Jake. This is the first time we, we've, we get to see Jake in the in the flashback scenes and the start of what person they turn out to be i thought a decent detail with that is depending on the person like the family ties are different right so jake's like mrs specter i'm sorry whereas yes like mom i'm so sorry so i was just like oh was awkward (laughs) yeah and it's you understand the mother's perspective too because it's a hard day for her and she just wants to talk to like her last remaining family member and then he's there physically in front of her but he's not there mentally and this other persona is like no mrs specter like I'm not your son. Like he, he couldn't handle this. Like now I'm here. 
very powerful, I felt. We get back to the present day with Mr. Knight attacking the Egyptians in the other void. Or as they describe it, elsewhere, elsewhen, which is, again, one of my favorite parts of this second half is them describing time, but not at all describing time. It's almost like the narrator doesn't know what's going on either. And he's just like, yeah, now we're back in the future at some point. I don't know. (laughs) And I love that this issue is like, remember how batshit crazy the first half of this book was? Well, we're not totally (laughs) done with that yet Mm -hmm. because here is a dragonfly jousting. (laughs) (laughs) They're riding these giant dragonflies. Mr. Knight gets on one and there's still another one up there. And yeah, they, they joust. Mr. Knight loses and he gets captured. Says you really better be worth this, Crawley. <laughs> yes. We jump back to the past again. This time he's in the Marines, but naked in a minefield, just going for a walk, talking to Conchu. <laughs> and that's when they're like, hey, like you, you lied to your recruiters when you were enlisted. We have to dishonorably discharge you. Like we looked into your background. We know what's going on. Before he can jump on the plane, he runs away again. <laughs> Took three years for that to happen, by the way. I don't know if you caught that detail. Yes, yes. I was like, wow, you were on top of your shit for a good three years. And part of my thinking with that was military is a pretty tough schedule, but it keeps you scheduled. There's things going on. You can't really afford to be switching around. So I thought it was like, you know, in some ways, the military, I'm sure, was actually very healthy and good for Mark. In a lot of ways, I also believe the opposite. (laughs) And just like in the show, Stephen Grant in the later issue that he's not a fighter. And maybe we've seen that Jake Lockley is a fighter. So it could have been Mark and Jake jumping back and forth. True. And because Jake from that first scene with with Mark's mother Mm -hmm. is aware of when he takes control and when he doesn't. So maybe... He realizes that Mark enlisted in the in the Marines. He's got to pretend to be Mark, even if he's not Mark. And maybe Steven's just kind of floating around in the background, just kind of waiting, biding his time. So Mr. Knight gets captured. He's in prison. And this is when we meet Anput, Anubis's wife, who is being held captive in the Overvoid by these overvoid space pharaohs and uh this is where we learn that oh yeah this is what anubis lost and this is what mark needs to find and bring back then mr knight gets brought back out to the to this uh crowd and uh they need to sacrifice him for his crimes we jump back to the past again to a fight club type scene where uh mark is gonna fight (laughs) We actually can't talk about these pages. <laughs> we can't talk about these pages. <laughs> but uh, he wins the fight, and he's approached by somebody who's like, hey, I know that you go by a few different monikers. You're a pretty talented guy. I think you and I can make a lot of money together. And that's where Mark meets Frenchie. I'm not going to lie, when it when I turned to the page and it was Frenchie, at first split second I forgot that we were in a flashback. And I was like, this motherfucker <laughs> just came back to life. I'd still, what the fuck is going on? But then I remembered. 
to go off of that, this book raises still raises enough questions to where you're like, wait a minute, is he actually dead? Yeah, did he, he actually <laughs> die? Is is him being here now? Are we gonna see him again in present time yep. when we get there? Spoiler alert: we do not. <laughs> <laughs> I thought one thing about the Fight Club, which I'm going to regretfully talk about. <laughs> Mark wins his fight, and everyone's telling him, just finish it. Finish the fight for good. Like, kill this guy. And he doesn't. And everyone's like, ah, you should have killed him. Should have killed him. And I was just like, all right. Like, still got that hero y part of him yet where it's like, uh, maybe not kill it. Maybe not kill it. We get that example a few times throughout this backstory, this origin story of Moon Knight, and I love that they keep addressing the fact that like he does have a limit. Like he's not gonna go all the way. Like he'll he'll do some shady shit, he'll do some bad stuff, but like the famous line from Wreck It Ralph, just because he bad guy doesn't mean he bad guy. <laughs> <laughs> So, yeah, I like that there that there is a limit and that we do see that deep down he is a decent guy. Chapter 12, The Secret History of Mark Spector Continues. On a mission for Anubis, more lives than Mark's hang in the balance. While present-day Mark ventures into the overvoid, past Mark has some desert troubles of his own. <laughs> I just love immediately we turn the page and he's just handcuffed to a table <laughs> like oh okay cool what's gonna happen here um and immediately just goes batshit crazy because all of a sudden moon knight appears and again i was like wait <laughs> what is actually going on <laughs> yep what the fuck i like before that though the pharaoh is like what say you my subjects a quick death or a slow one for the intruder. And the crowd yells, slow death, evisceration. <laughs> that was pretty great. Yeah, and Moon Knight shows up and it's like, wait, what? Like, where did he come from? Right when like, you think you know everything, you don't. <laughs> I was like, is this real or is this fake? And then I, like, for a split second I thought that. And then I was like, oh, we're in the overvoid. Like, I guess anything can happen here. And sure enough, anything can happen as well as not just Moon Knight showing up, but we'll get to the others that show up as well. We flash back to Saudi Arabia some years ago. Mark and Frenchie are now working together. They're doing their mercenary thing. They're trying to find the wolf who is making heroin and selling it. They're trying to track down this guy for their boss, who we don't find out till the end, which I'll save for the end. But they find the wolf. It's one of the guys that's working on the line, which I found interesting. It's like, oh, yeah, what a great way to hide yourself than to be right in the thick of it. And he looks like he looks like he would be one of the slaves that's making the heroin that's running, that's working the line. He doesn't look like the guy that would be the one that's running it. I thought it was funny because the front is an orange stand. I was like, that's pretty complex for fresh oranges. <laughs> right? But I love... So they're in the... They get the guy in the helicopter. They're, they're taking off. They're taking the wolf to their boss. And I love the 
the back and forth dialogue between Mark Spector and the wolf, especially when he says, I know enough. I have seen men like you before. You are broken in pieces and no amount of money will ever make you whole. Like not only calling out the fact that Mark Spector has DID, does he know that or not? No, but it's like an allegory to the character as well as being like, Hey, this thing that you're doing, like it's only going to fill a void for so long. Like this isn't going to be the end all be all for you. A bit of foreshadowing for the character. I thought that it was a great piece of dialogue to convey all that. Jump back to uh, elsewhere, else when the overvoid, Mr. Knight and Moon Knight, they're fighting off the Egyptians. He's like, do you have a backup plan going on here? We get Stephen Grant showing up, saves Anne Put. I love Stephen's face when Anne Put bites the Pharaoh. He's just like, like what the? <laughs> and you even get the ah speech bubble that <laughs> kind of like tells the look on his face. <laughs> yeah, this may as well happen. <laughs> and this is where Stephen says that he's not a fighter he thanks input he says thanks input i've never been much of a fighter always left that to these two which again could could show not only how mark maybe got through his time in the marines and then as his as a mercenary and part of that thing that we don't talk about but also makes me appreciate how he is in the show as well that he isn't a fighter really in the show Again, it, it kind of reinforces how much influence this series has on the show that we can see so far. It's even kind of shown in the art, too, where the other two are wearing the Moon Knight outfits. And it's in that different style where it's just white and black shaded very well. And Steven has the white shirt underneath, but it's very clearly covered up with the with the uh, suit jacket. So it's like they're still acknowledging that he's part of them, but he is kind of covering up that part of him that he is not yeah he just doesn't want to necessarily be a part of type of thing i thought i thought that was cool yeah yeah and i like too that like he's got a white shirt on but he's not fully dressed in white like the other two are and then we get just another moment that made me <laughs> laugh out loud hysterically just anyone need a lift <laughs> Yes, we get the return of Space Moon Knight. So funny. Back to save the day. He saves the day in his uh, crescent uh, fighter, whatever you would call it. They get Crawley back. They do the exchange. And I thought that these three were going to come back along. And they were like, nope, like, we got you here. This is as far as we can go. But I do like that that Moon Knight says, you go the rest of the way alone, Mark. We can't come with you. You made sure of that. But we, we know we can't always be with you now, but we will be here when you need us. Yeah, we can't be there for you now, but we'll always still be a part of you. Like, I I like the, the symbolism of all of that. So then Anubis ferries Mr. Knight and Crawley back over to their world. We get our flashback to uh, the wolf being delivered to Mark and Frenchie's boss. And then they're like, hey, he's got another job for you. It's a lot of money. Frenchie's like, I don't think this is a good idea. Like, I've heard bad things about this guy. Like, 
I don't think we should do it. Mark's like, this is going to be a lot of money. Like, it sounds like it could be a pretty easy job. Like, let's just at least hear the sales pitch before we make a decision. And we find out who their boss is, the Bushman. For a new reader, it'd be like, oh, this guy looks cool. But he is like a Moon Knight villain from like the past classic series as well. So having that, again, if you have some knowledge, if you are a Moon Knight fan, you're going to pick up a lot more of this series than a new, brand new reader. Thankfully, with the Disney Plus series, I've been kind of on the up and up of like a lot of different podcasts and people are like, oh, who's Moon Knight? This is all the things you need to know. And I had heard the name Bushman before I knew he was a classic villain. So to see him pop up and he looks badass. He looks like a soldier, but he's got like this white war paint on that also looks like blood dripping and smeared across his face. And he's got razor sharp golden grill teeth. Just looks badass. And that is our cliffhanger for issue 12. And we get the cover for 13 and that's a poster. <laughs> yes. A close up of Bushman. I couldn't, uh, I couldn't read the first page of 13 without just my, my eyes being drawn over to the left side. <laughs> like right. just, it, it was so, literally like that thing in your peripheral vision. I was like, nope, I need to qu- quickly read through this and get to the next page. <laughs> this just guy in your soul. <laughs> yep. Yeah. This guy is, is scary. He's dark. He's dangerous. He means business. He's not going to put up with anybody's bullshit as we'll find out. I think he's a great villain, and I I kind of hope that we get to see him some way, shape, or form in the Moon Knight series, or if not in the Moon Knight series, however they continue Moon Knight going forward in the MCU. I'd love to see this character show up again. Birth and Death Part 4, Reality Bites. Where has Mark Spector really been all this time? The answer is here. Where was a man like Mark forged? The answer is here. Where will the final battle be fought? The answer is here. <laughs> Where's the answer, Tom? <clears throat> uh, what is here for $500? <laughs> That's, uh, yeah, we're, I think these last two, I forget there's 14 because I've read these two so fast together. Mm-hmm. That it's just like everything's speeding up. We're getting there. We get Crawley, and it's just one thing after another, after another, after another. It's just so fast paced in the end here. It and, tells um, it tells how good these last two issues are because I felt the same way. Like when I was reading this, I was like, "Oh, thirteen. This is the last issue." Especially with that description of being like, "Your answers are here." I was like, "Okay, right. this is the last one." And I read through it so fast, and then to see, oh no, it's not the it's the answers aren't all here. We still have one more issue. But again, these two issues are so good. I love. I think one of my favorite parts of this series is this interaction between Crawley and Mister Knight when they get across to the subway, and he's explaining he has to go back to the asylum, and Crawley's like, "I don't think that's a good idea," and 
Uh, Mr. Knight says, I don't know if it's a good idea or not, Crawley, but I also don't really feel like I have a choice anymore. My whole life has been about running from my illness or hiding behind a mask or a disguise. For the first time in a long time, I at least feel like myself, like I'm myself. As mixed up as and as confusing as that can be, at least it feels like me. I felt like not only was that just some powerful dialogue right there, but that encapsulates this whole series within one paragraph. That's so heavy and heartfelt all at the same time. Absolutely loved it. Um, and I love that the end of the conversation, Crawley's been calling him Mark the whole time. Mm-hmm. Uh, he tells him to go and find Gina, like be where he's safe. You know, this is where he does say too that like I already lost Frenchie. So it's like, okay, like, I guess he is really dead mm-hmm. or is he, there's still two more issues. Like, <laughs> is he dead or not? But this is, again is like, nope, he's dead. He's dead. And then I like that Crawley's been calling him Mark the whole time. And then Mr. Knight walks away and he says, and Crawley, Crawley's like, yes, call me Mr. Knight. And Crawley smiles. Then we get trippy. We go back to trippy. (laughs) This, this book's like, Hey, remember how trippy and messed up this book's been? We're still not done with that yet. So Mr. Knight's going down the Egyptian tunnel. He's making his way to Khonshu. Khonshu starts talking to him. And suddenly we find Mr. Knight standing on top of his brain, literally on top of his brain. And he starts to get sucked into his own mind. Trapped in his own mind. I almost it was almost like everything became clear on this page for me. I just thought this imagery was so cool. The storytelling was so cool leading up to this. One of my favorite spots. Yes. The dialogue is really good here too. It's like, it is time you saw where you really are. Yeah. And it's him. It's like literally his head. And it's like, you are struggling with your own brain. And then it's like, your mind was always weak. It was only a matter of time before the weakness consumed you altogether. So kind of like going all the way back to, I think it was chapter eight, where we get that big climax scene. It was like reality. Like that could have been five minutes maybe like, and Mark's just going through it that rapidly in his own head. And it's just like, Oh, And I like, too, how it's like, hey, you've stuck with us this far. Are you still confused? This is literally what has been going on the past 12 issues. (laughs) Flashback to Sudanese Egyptian border. Mark and Frenchie took Bushman up on his offer. They're going to the dig site, which if you've been watching the Moon Knight series, you you've been teased a little bit about. They're going to this dig site to find this tomb, which can be pretty easy to figure out whose tomb we're finding. I love that the helicopter's landing and the two archaeologists that we see before we're even introduced to who they are. I love that they look like Ellie Sadler and Alan Grant mixed with John Hammond from Jurassic Park. It was like, <laughs> yep, that is that is the girl from Jurassic Park. That is the old man from Jurassic Park dressed as Alan Grant from Jurassic Park. This I've, is Jurassic no, Park. No, they're not paleontologists. They're archaeologists. But I, I love that it's like, hey, this is a little Easter egg to uh, something that me, the artist, loves. <laughs> <laughs> i was surprised only because jurassic park yes (laughs) 
I was surprised only because I was so invested in the story at this point as to who the archaeologists were, that it is Marlene and her father, which if you're watching the Moon Knight show, it's like, all right, so Layla in the Moon Knight show is Marlene in the books. Like, I don't know why they didn't call her Marlene if because that's clearly what they're setting up the Layla character to be with her father being the archaeologist and Mark Spector knowing what's going on, like what happened to her father and not saying what's what happened to her. Like this is the story right here. So if you haven't read this book and you're watching the Moon Knight series and you don't want to be spoiled as to what's going to be revealed at some point in the show, (laughs) probably tune out until you get to that point in the show. But if you're going to be brave enough to venture on stick with us, if you've seen the first three episodes, you can kind of piece it together at this point. Yes. Again, Bushman is no nonsense. Full on takes her father and stabs him in the gut. Kills him. I was like, oh, didn't see that coming. And this is where... A clear picture of it, if you've read Injustice. <laughs> it's very similar to Superman just if you haven't played the game of red or saw the movie, he <laughs> sticks his hand straight through Joker, dude. Like it's, it looks almost like you just replace the hand with the knife. It's like the same faces, same tableau almost. And Mark shows his true colors again, that he's not a bad dude. He's like, Nope, like I'll only go so far. Like now you're killing people. I'm not, I'm not putting up with that. Like you need to be stopped to uh, jump to the present time. Small, with Mr. Knight. Small detail. It is actually saying now when we're jumping into this moment. Again, kind of playing into Tom's like how we we don't actually know when any of this other stuff happened, but we do know that this right here, we are in his head right now. The other stuff could have been two minutes or two years. We don't know. <laughs> but this is right here right now. So uh, he's getting sucked into his mind again. Sees Conchu in the form of a moon punches it and starts beating up a couple of uh, the the moon rock asteroids and then literally punches his way out of his own brain. If you damage your mind any further, a little too late for that. He just punches right (laughs) through his own head. I love it. Knows he's already damaged. Again, accepting it. Such a cool story arc for Mark. Love it. Yeah, we go back to the flashback again. Bushman beats the shit out of Mark. And then finally, some of the workers are like, all right, like, this has gone far enough. Like, we'll show you where Conchu's tomb is. It's like, all right, we've been confirmed that it is Conchu's tomb we're looking for. Bushman's like, all right, save the daughter and this dude who finally, like, said he'll show me where it is and kill the rest of them. And Frenchie's like, I'm not going to fly this helicopter for you. I'm not going to show you where the tomb is. He's like, well, unless you want to die like these guys, you'll do it. So he (laughs) leaves Mark alone and uh, takes them off. And this dialogue that's in here that it's jumping back and forth between past and present. Like, it's so good. And finally, uh, we end with Mr. Knight finally in the asylum. And Conchie's like, all right, are you ready? And then Mr. Knight's like, that's not the question, Conchie. The question is, are you 
And boom. There's our cliffhanger to the conclusion of this story, chapter 14. Birth and death. Another poster. I was gonna say, I know we've <laughs> talked about posters. This this might be if we if I get any of them, if I can, this is it right here. Yeah, the cover to issue 14, you save the best for last, and they definitely saved the best for last. It's Conchu sitting on an Egyptian throne, and it's all of the different personalities and looks of Moon Knight and Mr. Knight fighting each other as Conchu sits on his throne and watches. The with the, spa- the oh. beautiful intergalactic space background, it's... I loved that poster or that cover to issue five, I think it was, but this this cover is so much better. This is my favorite cover of this entire series. Yep. So issue 14, Birth and Death Part 5. What a long, strange trip it's been. Tell me about it. <laughs> Mark's past, present, and future collide. An epic throwdown between Mark Spector and Conchu. Who will survive and what will be left of them? Not a very long we, issue, this one. No, this one was super quick. I love that Mark is wandering in the desert after getting the chip beat out of him. He's wandering for who knows how long. For how far. Probably concussed. <laughs> but I love that Steven and Jake show up and he marks like i'm i'm scared will you stay with me and they say we've never left you we've been here all along just rest we're not going anywhere even when you don't see us we'll we'll be here like again uh, i like that that it's like hey like this could be bad this condition you have it could be a disability but there's some good to it as well like you have our support I I love that all of the personalities are coming together to support him. And this shows that it's been that way from the very beginning. Finally makes his way to the tomb. He gives himself to Khonshu. But before he does that, we go to now and Mark's in the asylum. He opens the door. He finds Amit and uh, Bobby and Billy waiting for him to do the electroshock therapy. They drug him, and then it gets super trippy. We go from we're cutting back and forth between the past and the present, and I love that Conchu breaks the fourth wall with his dialogue, where Mark's like, "What is this? What's happening to me?" And Conchu's like, "This is a flashback, Mark. It is being intercut with the present." <laughs> and it's like, "Oh, yep, okay." The- it's that's literally what's going on. We're seeing one panel from the past and the next panel from the future from the present, and they're the same thing that's going on. But it also fits in the narrative where Conchu, I believe, Conchu with the control he has on Mark at some points literally can just intersplice a flashback with his reality. Yeah, and uh, they start the shocking. Conchu is trying to rid Mark of his mind so that he can take his his body and become whole. And we cut back to the past where he gets brought back to life. And I like that, uh, that Marlene and this other dude are like, what, like, what are you doing here? But I love the dialogue, especially when he's like, I'm a ghost. I'm a specter of the moon. 
The Moon's Night of Vengeance, and I have work to do. Such a great line. Cut back to modern time, and Mark breaks from his restraints, and we find out that he's got the strength of all of his personalities now helping him out and just beats the shit out of Amit and Billy and Bobby, makes his way to the roof to Khonshu for the final confrontation, which is so good. Kind of downplays the strength of Amit in this, which is going to be interesting to continue to watch this series. Um, Again, don't know how big of a part Amit actually plays in it, but it feels like it's going to be big. So like here, it's just like, nah, get the fuck out of my way. I got to go actually beat up the dude I need to beat up. Like... (laughs) But it also shows the strength of of Mark, you well, know, yes, especially absolutely. especially when all of his personalities have accepted who and what they are, and they're now all working together to show that. I like that it's not the strength of one person, but like the strength of four, yeah. and that's how he's able to take them all out. Gets to the roof, he starts to charge Kanchu, which then brings him to the moon with a werewolf, and then he's like, "No, this isn't real." It's like, all right, now we're we're fully seeing the growth of this character where earlier in the book, that could have been enough to spiral us back into the craziness, what the fuck is happening moments for another how many issues. But instead, he's like, nope, like this isn't real. Bushman's there and uh, tries to fight him with him, too. Mark's like, nope, like you're not real either. And he's like, I don't need you anymore. Like, you need me, I don't need you kind of deal. And I love how it's broken down where Mark grabs Conchu's head and he starts to, like, crush it. And that page where it's all four personalities crushing Conchu's head to dust. I am Mark Spector. I am Stephen Grant. I am Jake Lockley. And we are going to be okay. We are going to live with who we are. We are Moon Knight. And we never needed you. Conchu is crushed away. The world looks normal. And then we get that. Yes. Uh, We get Mark looking up at the moon. Starting to be covered up by a cloud. Symbolizing, you know, Conchu evaporating away from him. And then we get, again, quiet. For the first time in a long time, our mind is quiet. And I just let it wash over me. I let it be quiet, and then it starts to rain. And then I like how it goes full circle to issue one, where he's like, is this real? All I know for sure is that the rain feels real as it hits our face. Real enough anyway, and that's good enough for us. The last poster. Yes. Well, and then there's a couple posters after that. Right, yeah. Yeah, there's a, there's a couple variant uh, covers in the back. I'm glad that those ones were left for I mean, the back of the issue. I mean, if that's not Batman, I don't know what is. Right? <laughs> yeah, there's a, there's a classic, classic variant that definitely is a Batman pose. I'm glad these were left for the back of the book because they weren't as cool as the ones that were intermixed within the entirety of the book. I mean, come They're on. still good. They're still good, but... They didn't quite hit it for me. Did you guys read the uh, outro here by all the creators of this of this series? I actually did not. 
I'm sure I did, but I don't remember what it says. The one, <laughs> the one big thing that I took out of it was uh, the writer Jeff Lemire talking about oh, how how the artist Greg Smallwood definitely not just inspired him, but his art more or less encouraged him to do more and to do better. And that it was actually the artist who wanted to do the origin story. The writer was planning to just have this be 11 issues. The artist was like, Hey, I think we should like redefine and fine tune what the origin story is for Mark Spector. And that's why it was 14 issues. They drew it out for that 14 issues which leads to final thoughts on this series for my final thoughts. I loved the journey. I thought it was a satisfying conclusion. I thought it was a fun read. My only criticism is I kind of wish that the origin story would have happened right away and would have been more spread out throughout the beginning to kind of steer the path a little more clearly like i i understand that the perspective that they wanted to take was we're putting you into the mind of somebody with this mental disability with this condition and this is how their world can feel sometimes where it's so confusing you're jumping back and forth between things you're questioning everything some things can be so ridiculous and outlandish where you're wondering if it's real or if it's not real. I understand all that, but when it got to, again, like we said, issue seven, where if you're reading this month to month, it might've lost me at that point. The backstory trickled in a little bit earlier, might've kept me going a little bit more because I loved their interpretation of this origin story. And I think that could have connected the through line a little bit better than it did throughout the first half of the book it could have kept readers more engaged or more interested to know at least what's going to happen in that story if you're so confused and lost with the main thing that's going on maybe finding out what happens in that origin story is enough to keep you going and it probably would have been enough to keep me going had i been reading this month to month again i'm glad that it was there at the end even though the writer kind of admits it was it wasn't initially planned and it kind of was tacked on but it didn't feel tacked on but i wish it would have happened earlier in the series i personally could have done without it but at the same time it does add to it like like you said it definitely i don't know i i would have been okay especially like you said because with it coming so late in the series i think I don't think this story suffered at all towards the end, but it did feel it. It did feel broken up at times because they were going back and forth. So personally, for me, I would have liked to just read through the end without those flashbacks. But again, like I, I still enjoyed it. it. It wasn't a bad addition necessarily, but I do think it may have weakened it a little bit towards the end. Uh, kind of going back into like the Pulp Fiction analogy I was making earlier. You sprinkle in some of those flashbacks earlier. I feel like you can capitalize a little bit more on the story as a whole and maybe eliminate a chapter. Because like the last one does happen very fast. Yeah, You spread out, add a page here, add a page there. You can maybe condense it. And I was just kind of thinking, if we took those couple of pages where it was Mark as a kid drawing Steven, drawing the Moon Knights, 
those are the first two and it ends with his dad again going to be like hey who are you talking to oh this is steven and the dad being like what and then he wakes up in the institution right we start off from how it actually starts off you're just kind of like okay something's not quite right here it makes sense why we're here uh because starting off i when i first bought it i had every intention of this being like an origin story and it starts off and you're like oh moon knight is established like there is a guy on TV <laughs> who is Moon Knight. He's fighting who at the time I was like, oh, this must be like a well-known adversary and just kind of going through from there. And then you read on a little bit longer. It's like, oh, he's Moon Knight. Well, then how was there another Moon Knight? Does he break out at night? What, what is happening? And then it just gets more confusing from there. But you sprinkle a little bit more in. It was like Khonshu's there. I was like, all right, well, when did you meet Khonshu? Oh, he met Khonshu as a kid. And when did he, Khonshu's like, I saved your life. When did he save his life? Oh, in the desert, right? So it's like, okay. <laughs> we get a little bit answers there and there. And then you can do that whole last sequence where all the answers are here now. This is happening now. And have that be a little more seamless. And then you can go through the flashbacks a little more. I can, I can definitely see how that would be a little. Plus Even when we start to break off into the different, artists and the different perspectives from the different personalities you sprinkle in that backstory in there too where like the dad's funeral when jake takes over like you could put that in shortly after we get jake's perspective or introduction and perspective into the series where again it's like all right like got a little bit of information on him like what's going to happen now yeah i i just feel I feel like instead of having that feel tacked on at the end, which it kind of did, like when when you read the the outro from the writer and he's like, I, it was only planned to be 11 issues. I added these three issues so that we could do a, a backstory, like an origin story. You can feel it. Mm-hmm. But I also like that it's there because then it gave us that chance to have Mr. Knight, Moon Knight, steven and then space mark specter all come in in that battle at the end and the overvoid with the egyptian pharaohs and all that all that was fun and i'm glad that it was in the book and it probably wouldn't have been there if they wouldn't have decided to do the origin story but you know hindsight 2020 if you could if they could have been if they would have planned that from the start of oh we should do a definitive origin story because this character at this point has so many different origin stories mm-hmm. that it's like, all right, you can kind of pick and choose which one you like and which one you don't like, or what's real and what's fake kind of like this series. But if we'd be like, no, like this is kind of how we tie it all together. And it was planned from the start. Personally, I feel like it could have made the story flow a little bit better or been a little bit easier to follow, especially for your month to month readers. Like this was initially intended for, but again, overall, I love this series. I like that it gives you kind of uh, in the headspace of what somebody with DID could be going through in a over-the-top fantastical superhero type way too. Overall, I liked it. I liked it a lot. I like I mentioned it last week too. It's like towards the end, it does get a little expositioning, but it you get the answers you're looking for. I don't know if I would have been as satisfied with the ending without some of these answers. Like I would have liked it, but getting the full picture definitely helped yeah really enjoyed it like overall glad i stuck through it glad that we read all of it again could have 
potentially done without the flashbacks, but it gave me more insight into the character, so I can I can never be mad at that. But yeah, really good story, really satisfying ending, really really good aha moments, really good laugh out loud moments, a lot of what the fuck moments, but they were all in fun at the end of the day. The only other criticism I might give this story to is maybe just a little bit of background information on all of these Egyptian gods that come in. Because a lot of them are just name drops and you see the people and it's like, all right, like this is a cool crocodile person, but what is he? Like, even if the little bit of information we got from the solicits as we were reading issue to issue where it was like, oh, Seth is the the god of chaos and violence. Like if you could have just been like Seth, the god of chaos and violence is my brother, like even just that one little sentence could have been enough to be like oh that's who this is or or anubis like i am anubis i am the like the carrier from different realms or whatever the the guide to different realms like something to make some of these a little bit more like who are you instead of being like oh like that's I am this person and I'm here <laughs> or just ripping the face off a police officer and going so back. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Again, I don't even know who so back is yeah. other than that. No he's clue. a crocodile dude, <laughs> but uh, the art too, I will say hmm. the art was phenomenal. If I will say anything about this series is hands down some of my favorite art, like where Greg Smallwood came from and why he hasn't been used since this is the first and only time I've seen his artwork in a Marvel comic and comics wow. in general, like use this guy more often. Yeah. And all <laughs> of the artists too, for all of the other personalities, like I've seen some of them here and there, but like it was such a good blend and such phenomenal artwork throughout all of this. So many times where all three of us were like, that could be a poster. That should be a poster. This artwork is phenomenal. Hands down one of the best things about this book if if you if the story doesn't keep you the art definitely will so there we are there's moon knight the complete collection by jeff lemire and greg smallwood i hope you all enjoyed this series as much as we did please reach out to us let us know your thoughts comments opinions and feelings about it we're going pretty long again this week so Usually this would be a best off moment. My best off would be just to go again, go to the movies. There's a lot of good movies out right now. Don't see Morbius though. It's don't waste, (laughs) don't waste your money. I know I didn't. And the things that I've heard about it, I'm glad that I didn't, but there are, I can't wait to waste my money on Morbius. (laughs) There, there are three really good movies that are currently out. When this episode reaches you all, there's going to be another one that sounds amazing. The Nicolas Cage uh, unbearable weight of massive talent comes out this week. (laughs) Can't wait to see that one as well. Again, go out to the movies. It's a great time for movies. So many good ones out. For my quick one, just wanted to double down on the Adam project that Brian brought up a few weeks ago. Definitely go watch that. Watch that over the weekend. Phenomenal movie. Enjoyed it immensely. And also finally got around to watching Tick, Tick, Boom. Cried my eyes out. Phenomenal show. Great music. Lin-Manuel continues to be one of my favorite people on this earth. If you have 160 hours to spend, get Elden Ring. It's a 10 out of 10 time. <laughs> <laughs> so there you have it. The best stop of the week. Short, simple, to the point. I love it. 
And for this week, we have been your Midwestern nerds. That's M-I-D-W-E-S-T-E-R-N-E-R-D-S. You can find us on Twitter and Instagram at Midwestern nerds. We are the Midwestern nerds podcast on Facebook. If you'd like to send us an email, you can send that to midwesternerds at gmail.com. You can find our show wherever you can find a podcast. Please reach out to us, rate, review, give us the five stars, comment, subscribe, share far and wide. Any and all feedback is a great benefit and help to the channel to keep growing and keep giving you content that you would love to listen to. Thank you again for coming this week, Tom. We appreciated you joining us on this wild and crazy twisted ride that was Moon Knight. And we can't wait to have you back very shortly because starting next week, along with the NFL draft, we are continuing once again, 2022 Our MCU Avengers draft is going to be starting next week. We are going to have a lot of special guests on to join us for that. It's going to be wild. It's going to be crazy. There's a lot of uh, potential candidates for people's Avengers lineup teams. I'm excited to get down into it and to see who gets who. The upsets, the triumphs, all the emotions are going to be. It's going to be hot. It's going to be heavy. It's going to be as wild and fun, if not a more wild and fun ride than these last couple episodes have been for your Midwesterners this week. I have been Brian Stoffel. I've been Kyle Olson. I've been Tom. Very happy to be here. Happy to be here anytime. Very excited to be here next week. And whether it's beer, brats, comics, or questioning reality itself, keep keep it nerdy. nerdy.